from beginning to end in this book, the only theme of it is the redemption of mankind. That's it. The redemption of mankind. We come to what's been known as Holy Week. And John, you know, um, said a lot about it. Several chapters of scripture. And today we're going to, Jesus is going to the cross. Before the Lord spoke the world in existence, from the foundation of the earth, as scripture says, Jesus was destined for the cross. He had to die the cruel death that he did. It was a bloody, gory death. We've kind of we've kind of prettied it up a little bit. But several years ago, I played a clip of the Passion of Christ that Mel Gibson produced. And it's gory. Gory. As we read scripture today, let's not forget what Jesus did for us. I'm going to begin in Isaiah 53. So if you start, uh, actually Isaiah 52, but if you'll, if you'll go to there in Scripture and then we'll, we'll uh, continue on. Yes. Okay. Isaiah 52 is where we're going to pick up with, with verse 13. Um, I'm just going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm not going to say a lot. You ask the Holy Spirit to, to etch it in your heart, what we're, what we're going through this morning. Because only he can, can do that. And he can teach you, I can't. So in Isaiah 52, let's begin in verse 13. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exhaust, exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man. His form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Chapter 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the Lord the arm of the Lord been revealed. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out, out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted 
to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he himself carried, yet ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like sheep, that is silent before its shearers. He did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand as a result of the anguish of his soul. He will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty within the strong, because he poured out himself to death. He was numbered with the transgressions, transgressors, yet him, he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. Now, John 19. <clears throat> Isaiah wrote that some 750 years, give or take, before John wrote what he wrote in chapter 19. As we've said many times, John wrote the last gospel, having understood what Mark uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke had written. And then he, he wrote 
chapter 19. Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come to him and say, Hail, Prince of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Those three little verses don't give justice to what happened to Jesus. The cat of nine tails, as we understand through history, the Romans were really, really good at torture. The end of the leather straps were pieces of bone and metal, and they struck him and struck him and struck him and struck him. The thown of crown of thorns that they plaited scripture here says they placed it on him, his head the truth of the matter is they pushed it into his scalp the man bled and bled then they spat upon him slapped him and uh, slapped to the face verse 3 says Verse 4, Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to him, Behold the man. So when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself to be the Son of God. And it's that statement that basically took him to the cross. The Jews were a bunch of hypocrites. If we talked last week, you know, they didn't want to go into Pilate's house because he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And yet they plotted to kill the man, which was also against their law. Mm. Verse 8. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus gave no answer. So Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus said, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Who was it that delivered him to them? the Jews 
we opened the book of John, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. In other accounts of the crucifixion, we have the statement made by the Jews, let his blood be on us and on our children. Wednesday night we were talking uh, about vows. Be careful what you vow. Be careful what you say to the Lord. You know, what you're going to do. If you say something to him, you do it. You do it. Verse 12. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar. Whoever, excuse me, everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. We've talked about Pilate being a, a pawn, a political pawn of Rome. He had to keep the Jews in line and keep peace in the thing. And that bunch of high priests and the Pharisees were very good at politics. And they says, if you don't crucify this man, you're no friend, friend of Caesar. <laughs> well, as a politician, he said, well, in that case, verse 13, therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat in the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, six o'clock in the morning. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, and away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the, pre, and the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he handed over to them to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore, and went out bearing his own cross to a place called the place of the skull, which is in Hebrew, Golgotha. And they crucified him with two other men, one on either side and Jesus in between. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place was where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers... When they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments 
and made four parts, a part for every soldier, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide who it shall be. This was to fulfill scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my coat clothing they cast lots. That's scripture in Psalms. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother. And his mother's sister, Mary the wife, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which was John the Beloved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine upon the branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs may be broken, that they may be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who had been testified, excuse me, and he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture. They shall look upon him who they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, 
bring a mixture of myrrh aloes of about a hundred pound weight that may be 75 pounds in your bible or somebody else or something else but it was a big number verse 40 so they took the body of jesus and bound it in linen wrapping with the spices as is the burial custom of the jews now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid therefore because of the jewish day of preparation since the tomb was nearby they laid jesus there Hebrews, go to Hebrews chapter 9. When you see the word covenant in this scripture that we're going to read, you can put the word testament. Or in our vernacular, you could say will. Hebrews chapter 9. Now even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship and the earthly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one in which where the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread and is called the holy place. Behind the second veil there was a tabernacle which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a, a golden jar holding manna, Aaron's rod which budded, and the tables of the covenant. And above it were the cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, but all these things we cannot speak now in detail. Verse 6. Now when these things had been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest entered once a year not without taking blood which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way to the holy place had not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are altered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience since the relate, they related only to food and drinks and various washing regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation but when Jesus appeared as a high priest of good things to come, 
He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not this creation, but not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant, so that since a death has taken place, the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the in eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must be necessity to be the death of one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead. For, if, for it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Therefore, without, therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people, According to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats and water, scarlet wool, hyssop, and sprinkled both its, the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels and a ministry with blood. And according to the law, one may always almost say, all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it is necessary for the copy of things in heaven to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as a high priest enters the holy place, place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the age, he has made 
he has been manifest to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. The God of heaven, we use three words to say who he is. He's he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. And he's omnipresent. And from the very beginning, he said, I'm going to create man, but they're going to fall. And they did really quickly. But I'm going to plan a, a way of redemption. And through the Old Testament, the teachings, he did that very thing. The prophets came and says, come back to your God, the one and only God. We know in the Ten Commandments listed in Exodus and then Deuteronomy again, I'm a jealous God. There shall be no other gods before me. Don't make any image of anything. And yet, they did. And they were taken into captivity by a cruel people. Babylon, great, beautiful place. You can't find it today. Isaiah and others have spoken about Babylon. And God, he used them, but they're no longer. A lot of places in Scripture, he used them, but they're no longer. Jesus came for the single purpose to die. He died a cruel death on an old rugged cross. We can Clorox it and make it pretty and do anything you want to do with it. The truth is, he suffered for you and me. And Isaiah told it years ago. The writer of Hebrews says there's a purpose in it that he shed his blood for us once and for all that we might know him. When we come to know him, it's a simple act that we take his righteousness. We don't have any righteousness. We're filthy, guilty sinners in every aspect. And the only way we can approach heaven is apply the blood of Jesus in our own hearts and lives. His shed blood and our faith in him we appropriate his righteousness into our life 
and that's how we're saved. If you're ever asked how, do you, how you're saved, it's applying Jesus' blood on a cruel cross and taking his righteousness into our life. There's nothing we could do, nothing we have done, nothing we could ever do to be saved. It's his righteousness through his shed blood. So as we go this week and we think and talk about um, Sunday, and that is a beautiful day, but the heavy lifting was done in, in Gethsemane and at Golgotha, and nobody was there but Jesus himself. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Comments. <laughs>